All right. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? You doing all right on this Palm Sunday? I'm happy to be here with you and to worship with you. Now we're going to turn our attention to Luke chapter 19 as we look at this uh, text from the gospel uh, as we begin Holy Week together. Uh, I pray that you could hear these words and that they would uh, speak to you this morning about uh, the journey that you've been on through Lent and now as we move towards um, reflecting on Jesus last week before his crucifixion um, and then into Easter, that this would be a time for you to really feel close and near to the Lord. Uh, with that being said, let me pray and then I'll read the scripture. Lord Jesus, uh, I pray that you would get me out of the way so that you would speak a word this morning. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that uh, though we don't always uh, expect uh, the way that you come or anticipate the way in which you want to come, um, you know what is right and good and true and beautiful and so I pray that you would help us to notice um, the way in which you come to us, um, to our church, and to our world so that we might know more and more of your love, your compassion, and Lord, that we would also be able to join in whatever breaks your heart, that it would break our heart for the sake of a better world and a healthier life with you. In your precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 28, says this. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going to Jerusalem, when he had come near Bethpage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent out two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and you enter it, you will, and when you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, just say this the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. Now, as he was approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. And he came near and saw the city, and he wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, 
but now they are hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave within you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. There is a famous story, uh, it's just a short story about uh, the founder of the Salvation Army, it was known as General Booth. And there was a, a young, excited missionary who decided to join up with the Salvation Army and they were trying and trying every strategy, all, putting all of their heart and effort into trying to get some ministry going. And they had grown extremely discouraged, not sure what they were doing wrong, just trying, trying so hard in order to get something done for God. And so out of a last ditch effort, they wrote a letter to General Booth and they explained all the things they had tried and how they had all failed. And General Booth just wrote back, try tears, try tears. Um, and that's really the overarching theme that I want us to look at this morning in this really fascinating gospel text. We see rocks that are crying out or would cry out. And we see Jesus in tears. And we have to ask the question, why? Why these tears? What does it mean to have tears um, in God's kingdom? And so with that in mind, I want to show you a picture. I want to pick on these rocks, and I want to pick on Jesus' tears. These are the two things we're going to talk about. This is uh, from a visual artist, and I don't know how easily you could see this, but this is, this is a, a picture that's used for what's known as a lectio visio, meaning that's a Latin word for meditating on art and spiritual art that you can gain uh, spiritual insight and truth through looking at artistic renderings of themes within the scriptures. And so you see here, these are just rocks. But you see how uh, there's a cry that's coming out of these rocks. I don't know if you can see it, but there's also people trying to silence the rocks. There, there's, there's that group that, that would want to stop creation itself from articulating itself with the message uh, that it would have to speak to us, that there's a way by which in the scripture we're discovering that there's actually something that we can learn from creation about the heart of God. There's something uh, unique, especially in this story, about what's going on with all of creation. Um, this gets unpacked, and I just want to look at this with you a little bit later in the New Testament church and the Book of Romans, why would rocks cry out? It's what a strange thing. Um, and in Romans 8, uh, 22, Paul picks this up. I want to read a few different translations of this to you so you could kind of hear what, what may be happening with creation. Um, one version in the NIV, the one we normally read, says this. We know that the whole creation has been growing, groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. So all of creation, as in the pains of childbirth, 
Or the King James Version says, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth. You know, I love the King James. It's always with the ifs, right? Groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Okay, so there's actually a word here, though, that I, I want to point out that, that the King James Version that picks up on that is, is an interesting word that, that really, I think, helps us a little bit more to understand. So we, we see... Um, th- this groaning, but then there's this word travail, this, this word where uh, there's like this intense suffering that's going on, like travailing that's happening in, in this pain, that the creation itself is in travail. Um, and the message version, this is Eugene Peterson's translation of this scripture, picks up even a third element here. Maybe you can see it. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birthing pains. But it is not only around us, it is within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birthing pains. Okay, so, so man, we've, we've gotten really, really deep, really fast, right? We just went from rocks crying out to creation and, and pain of childbirth now to Eugene Peterson's picking this up and really articulating that even for, uh, for human beings uh, that are part of God's creation, that in some way we experience this kind of travail, this sense that things are not right and that we experience a pain But the promise that's within this uh, scripture is that that pain isn't without purpose, that it's leading to something. Like as if uh, a, a, a woman in childbirth, right, is the right metaphor for the pains that we experience in our lives, for the pains that we see out in the world, that there is somehow something that God is up to through our tears. One other scripture, and just so you see, this is all the way back to the Old Testament. Isaiah 42, 14, for a long time I have kept silent. This is God speaking. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp, I pant. So you see, even God is saying, like a, like a woman in childbirth that I am bringing something new into the world. And so in, the, in the Romans 8, it says that the, all of creation waits with eager expectation. And if you read that one line, you might think this is a happy creation, an eager expectation. But for those of you who've had that experience or been adjacent to the experience of childbirth, that certainly it is an eager expectation but it is not without great travail, right? It is not without great pain um, and suffering, and that is what creates the real eagerness here. That is what is making this go, like, let's get this thing going. I can remember uh, being adjacent to childbirth, and everything within me was like, how soon can we get this thing going? And all of the the, you know, like TV show versions of this where, where babies are born in taxi cabs on the way to the hospital are not the common story, right? Usually this takes hours. It can take hours and hours of hours of pain 
and suffering. And, and that is the metaphor here that the scripture is using for these rocks that are crying out. They really want something new to be birthed into the world. And Jesus' tears here have a purpose. They're connected to something. And so uh, what are they re- what's really going on? You see, we see in the story that Jesus is, is looking over. He's in a place on the Mount of Olives where he's looking over the city of Jerusalem. And actually, if you translate the name of Jerusalem, um, that, 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 that city is actually named in Hebrew the place of peace. So when you hear Jesus in the story saying, you Uh, Jerusalem, you are the one who is supposed to have peace and yet you missed the peace, that there's actually no peace, that you're you're headed towards destruction because you missed your day of visitation, that this is really speaking directly to the heart of this city. I find it so fascinating that the name Israel means to struggle and then there's a city within Israel, the central city, that was supposed to be the place of peace, right? Jerusalem is, is, is uh, like shalom. It has the same Hebrew word there, which means completeness, which means the city of completeness. And, and here Jesus in this story is saying this city that has this name, peace, 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 is actually incomplete. There's brokenness here that needs to be named. And so that's why when everyone expects Jesus to be in a posture of triumph and celebration that all he has is tears. That one of the questions we were just talking about in our uh, prayer course right before this, this posture of prayer that could really shift for us, could shift from, God, why do you, bad things happen in the world to God, where are you when bad things happen? God, how do we locate you in the suffering of what it means to be human? And I think that's Palm Sunday's message is that, that, that Jesus' uh, heart is broken when there is no peace, uh, when things aren't the way that they should be, when things are not whole yet. Jesus' desire is that all would be made well and whole. And he knows that, that without acknowledgement of who he is, that just is impossible for Jerusalem, that they've missed something that is so vital. A picture that may help us to think on this, I think we have it. It's a picture um, of Jesus in Oklahoma City. Do we got that one? And, and we've been going through and talking about Jesus' hands um, in our sermon series. I want us to look at uh, Jesus here in Oklahoma City. So this statue was created um, after the Oklahoma City bombing at a Catholic church right next door. And really it's Jesus weeping over um, the, the, the bombing site that happened there in 1995. 
You see Jesus just covering his face in tears. And so when we ask, where is Jesus in the midst of the suffering and the pain of our life? Even at this last week, as we think about um, the school shooting that took place again this week, where is Jesus in the midst of the suffering? Right? And, and I think that Palm Sunday teaches us such an essential lesson about who Jesus is in those moments. Jesus, one who's crying with us, one who is brokenhearted over the places where there is no peace yet. Theologian Jürgen Moltmann actually describes that, that when we enter into heartache like this, when we experience travail, when we experience tears, that this is actually a sign of hope. It is not a sign of no hope, it is a sign of hope. Uh, he writes this, faith, wherever it develops into hope, causes not rest, but unrest. Not patience, but impatience. It does not calm the unquiet heart, but is itself the unquiet heart in man. Those who hope in Christ can no longer put up with reality as it is, but begin to suffer under it, to contradict it. Peace with God means conflict with the world. For the goad of the promised future stabs inexorably into the flesh of every unfulfilled present. What this means really is that, that our hope gives us a taste of the kingdom. And it shows us that there is a better way. And so wherever we feel a dissonance or sadness or frustration as we see the brokenness of the world, that we actually are becoming people of hope, desirous of something different, desirous of a new world, a new kingdom, a new way of being in the world. And this is a desire that we share with Jesus. Uh, this is God's heart on earth as Jesus is, is on the earth in tears, crying over a city that's missing him missing their Messiah. So we, we can move um, to a place now where maybe we could ask the simple question, um, what are you in travail over? What breaks your heart? What are the things as you look around the world or inside of yourself that you go, that's not right. There is not peace in that place yet. Um, and then we might put that in light of this invitation from General Booth, try tears. That maybe all of the strategies um, that we might come up with, all of the schemes that we might dream up with, uh, come up with on our own, don't matter so much as the heartbreak, the authentic heartbreak and the pleading uh, that creation is doing, the travail that creation is doing to just simply join up um, in this type of prayer with all of creation that's saying, I don't want it to be this way anymore. Please, God, would you bring about something new? I want to do it your way. I, want, I wait for it eagerly with expectation. However, I can surrender to your will. 
so that I can bring forward a new world in the way that you want to bring forward a new world, even if people want me to be the one who looks victorious and you want me to be the one who comes in tears. I'm willing to do that for the sake of a new world and a new kingdom. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, um, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are high and lifted up, deserving of praise and glory. And it is because of your tears. It is because that you were willing to suffer. Um, you were willing to surrender. And you were willing um, to do the right thing no matter what it took. And so we pray that we would follow in your footsteps in this Holy Week as we look towards Easter. Precious and holy name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.